0: Okay, so welcome to the podcast. Uh, This is my very first episode, so please bear with me as I learn and grow in this. This one was recorded on my recent trip to San Francisco, and of course, I forgot my official podcast recorder when I packed. So it was recorded on my phone. The sound quality is still pretty good, but it will get better. So, in this podcast, I want to talk to both experts who have been educated and trained to help us better understand our relationship with ourselves, but I also want to talk to everyday people. ...because I very much believe that we can learn a lot from each other in our stories, as long as we are willing to be real about them... ...which means sharing the mistakes, the vulnerabilities, and all the parts of ourselves and our stories that we tend to hide. And my first guest, Graham, who I have known since first grade, does just that. He is honest and insightful as he shares his life and his struggles coming to grips with the death of his mother at a young age as well as recognizing and reconciling with being gay while growing up in a time and environment that wasn't really ready and supportive of that. What I love most about Graham's story is that while he resisted his circumstances and certain parts of his identity for quite some time, he eventually realized that wasn't working and intentionally worked on changing it. Ultimately, he was able to put himself, his life, and his family back together. Enjoy the episode and make sure you listen all the way to the end where I will share my favorite takeaways from our conversation.
1: Okay, so welcome, Graham. Hi, Casey.
0: <laughs> I'm excited that you're here.
1: I'm excited you're in San Francisco.
0: I know, yeah. I've never been here before. It's very fun. Um, okay, so we're just going to jump right in because I hate when podcasts just chat a lot in the yep. beginning because um, I don't have a huge attention span. So why don't we start with just go ahead and kind of tell everybody a little bit of like who you are, mm-hmm. what you do, and just very brief cliff notes of like what your life looks like now.
1: Sure. So um, I live here in San Francisco. I moved here in 2015. Mm-hmm. Um, from um, Basically after Jacksonville, I lived in Boston, then New York City, then Boston, Um, And then I decided I am done with winters,
0: and I am done
1: with harsh New England people. (laughs) So um, I kind of made the jump and and moved out here. Um, And so I've been here about four years. I work in higher education um, down at Stanford. Mm -hmm. And um, my life out here is pretty great mm-hmm. I would say um, like the West Coast definitely appeals to me it's just very different from the East Coast
0: yes so I've only been here a day so I haven't really experienced it other than the weather I've learned that there isn't really like a summer here which I find interesting
1: we have a summer in like October and September okay. oh our summers here are actually quite foggy yeah I think people move here in the summer and they're like wait. Yeah, why, why like people it?
0: were walking around in coats today, yeah. and I, it, oh. was like, it felt like 105 in Jacksonville. Exactly,
1: <laughs> and like, I mean, I brought, I have like a jacket with my with me right now, that yeah. old like 30 Rock joke about like, oh, I enjoy like living with like a, bring a light jacket with you wherever you go. Yeah. Like that is San Francisco.
0: Yeah, well, I've packed like a Florida girl, so I'm just, okay.
1: Be <laughs> um, we'll be doing some shopping. But
0: yeah, in terms of the people, like how how is it different here than on like the East Coast?
1: I think in my experience, People here are definitely that more laid back Mm -hmm. California vibe, Mm -hmm. I think. Um, I think my experience, especially in New England and Boston and New York, everybody's very go, 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 and not necessarily people make the time for you. Mm -hmm. Where I feel like here people make an effort to kind of branch out, make new friends. Yeah. Um, You know, there are cliques as there are with any city, but I feel like in San Francisco, the cliques actually like kind of mingle with each other Okay, just people are more naturally kind okay Um, that's per my experience
0: yeah what about like work-life balance because i know the east coast can be very work-centric and so i feel like you know yeah it could be laid back out here but then you also have i mean this is like the birthplace of some like major companies so how
1: does that play out i my my job before I moved out here, I was working at another higher ed institution, and I was required to wear sh- like a tie, a button down shirt, slacks. Like I needed to look good mm-hmm. every single day, and I needed to be there at eight o'clock and work late. Mm-hmm. I arrived on my first day here wearing a sh- like a shirt and tie, and my boss said, "Oh, honey, you don't <laughs> have to do that. <laughs> Why? Are you all fancy? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like you can wear jeans, and there's this really nice work life balance of." Like, if I'm there at 5.05, my boss is like, is everything okay?
0: Yeah. Which is just, like, mind-boggling to me. Because
1: I, like, especially Northeast, like, you have to, you're always constantly working. Oh, yeah. Um, So that's a nice change. Yeah. I think my field definitely allows me to do that. Uh, I'm not, I know people who work in tech work crazy hours, but Mm -hmm. I'm luckily not one of those people. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. Very cool. Mm -hmm. Okay. So as you know, this podcast is really focused on helping us all have a better relationship mm-hmm. with ourselves by kind of understanding ourselves. And I believe very much in the power and insight that can come from hearing other people's stories. Mm-hmm. So um, today we're all going to hopefully gain insight from your okay. story. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to start with kind of the moment in time or the the time in your life where you felt like maybe your relationship with yourself was at its at its worst or you're just kind of the most disconnected from Mm -hmm. yourself. Then we'll kind of go travel back in time and like what led up to that. And then what did you do moving forward? Yeah. Yeah. So at what point do you feel like you and yourself were um, not in such a good place? And like, what did that look like? Were you aware of it? Like, you know, how are you feeling?
1: So, when you posed this question to me, I I've been doing a lot of reflecting on yes. like very like very intense parts of my life. And I think I'm jumping to kind of like the biggest event yeah. of my whole life, which is when I was 13 and my mother passed away from yes. cancer. And that period of time has definitely like defined how I like look at my life Mm -hmm. and my choices Mm -hmm. and the decisions I make are really based on this long period of my adolescence up until my twenties of Mm -hmm. just being completely at a loss of like how to function as a person. Right. Um, and that came in like my relationships with people, my relationships with myself and how to really connect with Mm -hmm. others. And also just coming to terms with another portion of my life that kind of happened around that time, which is when I realized that I was gay.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so these two very big things yes. were happening at the same time and me trying to balance that. And it took a very long time for me to kind of figure that out.
0: Okay. So when your mother passed away, um, cancer. So, mm-hmm. and I, I, we knew each other then. Yeah. I remember when it happened, but I don't remember all the details. Did, did you know it was coming? Cause like, was it kind of a lead up to it?
1: So it was, The horrible thing about cancer in family is that it, for some people, it just goes on and on Mm -hmm. and on. And for my mother, it was about a two-year up-and-down process. Um, It came. She had breast cancer. She had a double mastectomy. And we thought, great, it's gone. Mm -hmm. It came back. It went away. It came back and then spread everywhere. Oh, geez. Yeah. And at the same time, I don't know if you know about this, but my father also had cancer. No, I don't so think I did So they both that. had cancer at oh, the same time.
0: What kind did he have? He had lung cancer.
1: Oh, my gosh. So I think there was like a point in in sixth grade where they both went into these like life or death surgeries on the same day. Oh my gosh. And it's like, like my father was given like a six month life sentence. My mother was going to be fine. And then it just kind of like swapped Switched. basically. Wow. So <clears throat> the kind of like the lead up to her passing was it was, she was fine. And then it came back in full force where she was like completely bedridden. And then we finished up our like seventh grade year. Mm-hmm. So this is '97. And I remember just knowing that there was like, this is, this, this is different. This mm-hmm. time it's very different for mm-hmm. her because she's, she's bedridden. Doctors are making house calls. Mm-hmm. Something's more serious this time. And I remember there was, um, I'm going to probably get into a lot with you on this. <laughs> so, uh, I remember there was this, this date, it was June 6th where uh, doctors came to our house and all of us were there and they um, brought us into the room, and they basically giving us, like, a status update mm-hmm. of her. And doctors were giving us, like, doctor talk. Like, right. We were, like, 13. My sisters were 18 and 15. Yeah. So they were giving us these words that, like, I just didn't understand. And yeah. So they were just babbling on and on. And then they said, do you have any questions? And I remember saying, yeah. Is my mother going to die? Just like, I don't know what came over me. And that, yeah. you know, she's just like, you need to tell me what, what's going on. And he so said, she's got about a year. She's got about a year or two. And I remember what made that one, that conversation was very significant. But what was significant about it was what happened immediately after, which was my mother's reaction to that news for her kids hearing it mm-hmm. wasn't to show like her fear, mm-hmm. but to comfort us. Uh, God, you know what I mean?
0: I'm, yeah, mothers—they're <coughs> like, just incredible. Yeah, she was
1: like being in a room and, and having a doctor to inform your kids of this, and for your instinct to turn and go, "I've got a year with you. Mm-hmm. Let's make this count. Let's mm-hmm. make this amazing. Um, we'll have a great Christmas. We'll have a great Thanksgiving. Like, we'll be there for all of these wonderful things." And so that was so crazy to me to think. That when you're met with like something like that, like as a parent, that amount of strength to really show your kids was incredible.
0: Were you (coughs) able to, in your, you know, 13 year old mindset, make that switch that she wanted you to make? Like kind of from, okay, I just got this horrific news, but okay, you're right, mom, let's make it a great year. Like, how did you react to that?
1: Part of me was, was like, exactly, like, okay, this will be great, but a part of me, one of the things she said was, like, don't worry, like, I'll take you to, like, Blockbuster, I'll take you (laughs) to I was like, that's not what I want, Mom, like, I want to, like, have you with me at all times, and... I wasn't equipped at thirteen to really understand. No, no, what, what was going on? I was in. I, I went into immediate denial because you know we went to a Catholic school. Yep. I'm like, she's a good person. This isn't gonna. This happen. isn't gonna happen. Yeah. <clears throat> this isn't gonna happen. So that was June sixth, and I say that date for a reason because. So we we left that conversation thinking, okay, a year, great, yeah, a year, a year. She died the next week.
0: Oh my gosh. Yeah. <gasps>
1: so, that. Week, so she went into surgery. A couple days later, it did not go well, and then we were informed Uh of like, "This is it. You got to come and say goodbye to your mom."
0: Oh my god! Basically,
1: so that kind of promise that we were given, yeah, and for that, the one piece of comfort was then just ripped out, taken away from us immediately. Um, That was the last real conversation I had with her. Because then she went to surgery and it, yeah. she couldn't really speak. And so that, that one week where I can, like, I mean, it's funny, like, I can't remember what happened six months ago. Right. I can't remember what happened, like, three years ago. But that one week, I can remember where I was at every single moment. Wow. And that one week, like, haunted me mm-hmm. for a very, very long time because I was a mama's boy. Mm -hmm. Like I think that was pretty evident from (laughs) (laughs) when anybody I'm I'm, I'm not saying a word. Right. (laughs) I I was definitely mama's boy, and so she was like my best friend. Yeah. And and I think she was adored in our in our community. Mm -hmm. Um, and like to have that ripped away was was kind of insane Mm -hmm. to happen so quickly, and then to go from being a family to being completely fractured. Yeah. Which is just.
0: Were you a like did did you kind of lean on your your sisters during this time frame, on your dad, on friends, or did you more kind of like kind of retreat into yourself and try and deal with it yourself? I
1: completely retreated. Mm-hmm. Um I would say we all react in our in our own ways to like how this this goes on. And I think with with my family, we all just didn't know what to do. I right. think my sister, my sisters and I were like, we're now like lost our mom. My father was now a widower. Yeah. And there was all this like activity at the beginning where people are coming over, they're taking care of you. They're giving you meals.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: No one's there a couple months later. yeah, When it, really, when it settles when back it into
0: normal really life. Settles
1: yeah. Back in where you're having that first holiday season without your mom, your first birthday. Mm-hmm. So I think for my sisters, one, my oldest sister, she was in college. She got to like go back to college, right? Escape,
0: escape essentially. Yeah.
1: My other sister um, had this very tight knit yet rebellious <laughs> group
0: of friends,
1: <laughs> so she had that. And my father, I think, had a lot of sympathy in our community because mm-hmm. you know he's a dad, and he had three kids, and, mm-hmm. and I think he had. A really big support system. I didn't have that. I was virtually left pretty alone. Mm-hmm. And that was almost by my own accord. Mm-hmm. I didn't have a lot of close friends at at our at our uh, middle school, and I think one I craved people to like reach out to me, but it, like that whole summer went by. No one called me. Oh god, right? no. I feel horrible. Okay, so, no. no, 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 no. But it's like, but like. We were 13. Right. You know, it's all hindsight.
0: That is, And that's just such a, like, not that there's any good time to lose your mother, but like of all ages, like that age is, is super impressionable. And yet you're also like, your priorities are all mixed up because you're getting into, you know, teenage years and you're trying to like, you know, kind of find yourself. And so it's just, that's, that's a lot of moving parts.
1: Yeah. So. So kind of what, how I reacted was... Because at the same time, this is a, the time I figured out that I was gay, too.
0: Was that happening, like, at the same time? And then you're kind of just like, all right, I'm not, I'm not going to deal with this right now because I've got all this going on with your mom? Or were you trying to kind of juggle both of those things? I, yeah,
1: I, fi- I figured it out, like, three months before oh, she wow. passed. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> this was 1997. Yep. And, like... Um, like Ellen was coming out. Like, yeah. <laughs> it was all this stuff. And I was like, and we went to a Catholic school. Uh-huh. So I kind of, I was like, well, I can't talk to anybody about this because of just the nature of the country, nature right. of the time period. And I, the I nature was like, of
0: Jacksonville, Florida, nature even Jacksonville within the Florida. country. Yeah. And,
1: and our classmates, you yep. know? So yep. I thought to myself, um, you know, what I can do to make things easier for this family is to bury this oh and i'll just be the kid who gets good grades Mm -hmm. and i'm not gonna rustle the waters i'm just gonna like be a good be a good boy
0: right to make it easier for dad and and yeah yeah
1: and my like my sisters you know wouldn't have cared but like i'm not gonna throw this bomb on my dad wow and i'm not gonna also i am not prepared to to be out at Thirteen, Right. And that took a long time for me to come to terms with that. Right. But But
0: then how much did that kind of, um, like, did that kind of like sit in the back of your mind and kind of always kind of be a little bit top of mind or were you able to really kind of put it aside and just like tunnel vision (coughs) on grades?
1: I wish. I think (laughs) I wish, I wish I was able to like, you know, split that when you, when, when you meaning, you know, you, know, hypothetically you find out that you're gay. It's all you think about. Yeah. You know, I was just like craving like content, craving like stuff to like fully understand.
0: Right. Cause you just figured out a part of your identity. And yeah. then now instead it's, that's so interesting. Cause it's like at the same time you lost a part of your identity, which is your mother, which yeah. for all of us, our parents, you know, especially mm-hmm. at that age are definitely still a big part of who we are. And then you discover this other part you know, one part's ripped away from you suddenly, and then this other part, you, like, willingly decide to just kind of shelve. Yeah. So, yeah, I bet you were feeling a little disconnected from right. yourself.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and I think the, the you know, so, that, yeah, this is all going on with my, my family. And then, one, like, there's so much help out there for straight people to figure themselves out. mm mm-hmm like the, all, you have plenty of movies and plenty of books about relationships and plenty of yeah. everything. Yeah. In the late nineties and early aughts, there was not that much. Yeah. There's no one helping you through it. Yeah. You know, is it like how, Cause
0: n- so, no one was talking about it. And, Oh, that's, that's such an interesting point. Cause I've even thought about that just from like the uh, heterosexual standpoint mm-hmm. and kind of, you know, my, I, I, identity of like what is the role that a woman plays mm-hmm. in a relationship and what is it that we're looking for and how much we've all kind of been programmed yeah. by like movies and and just everything growing up that you know there's this prince charming and he comes <clears throat> and he rescues you and right. so like you you had
1: <coughs> no programming and which pro- is like
0: a good thing but also a bad yeah. thing because there's no guidance
1: like the programming was oh like gay men are predators like their serial killers like Silence of the Lambs
0: yeah. and like Movie
1: Copycat and all this, or like it's all about sex. Yeah. And it's like, well, a portion of it is, but a portion of every relationship is about sex. Yeah. sex. But it was no way for me to like say, like, oh, this is actually not a big deal. Yeah. I mean it is it, like it's a big deal because it's a wonderful thing to celebrate, but it's like, okay, it's just it's relationships yeah. with people. Yeah. So that burying happened for about eight years. I kind of kept it all throughout high school. And
0: so all through that time we're in, we're in Catholic school. Mm -hmm. So I don't know how much at that time you like, I don't know how much you connected with Catholicism or how Mm -hmm. religious you were, but like, how did that play into you kind of, you know, dealing with this realization? Like did, did it add like guilt and confusion or were you kind of disconnected from the Catholicism? There was a lot of that Catholic guilt.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I remember the the moment I figured it out, too, that I was gay. What's that moment? Will you tell that story? I will tell that story. I just
0: find that so fascinating. So, I mean, I always
1: was like... I mean, I did gymnastics. I played the flute. Like, whatever. I
0: don't think anyone was really that shocked.
1: (laughs) So, but I was... I remember it was... staying at my grandparents' house for some reason and they had cable TV and I was up late at night watching a movie that starred Russell Mm Crowe and it was a movie where it was one of his first roles and he played a gay man in it the movie is called Some of Us and he it's about his relationship with his like dad who's like this gruff guy and I kind of was absent mindedly watching it Mm -hmm. and in the movie he goes on a date with a guy I was like, oh that's different. And at the end of the date, they're sitting on a like a swing and they kiss. And I remember my something happened. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I like this. Yeah. Oh shit.
0: (laughs) Wow. This is
1: not good. What a moment.
0: (laughs) See, that's so sad though that that's your initial reaction. This is not good. Because that was the time and that was like kind of the the environment and like just that in itself, like what that kind of sets your psyche up yeah. for like, just your initial gut reaction to like figuring out a part
1: of who you yeah. are is this is not good. This is not good. So for a long time, I kind of was just like, I, I, I feel such immense shame. Mm-hmm. Um, and that did you tell anyone? Didn't tell anybody. Um, cause this is also a time period where like, again, I didn't have like really good right. connections with people and I had nobody to talk to. So I'm just like, in my thoughts, mm-hmm. trying to, like, come to terms with this, but also be like, no, I'm going to marry a woman. I'm going to have kids because that's what I'm supposed to do. That's what I'm being So taught. you were still kind of fighting it on it some totally level. totally fighting it. I mean, I had crushes on girls. I did yeah. quotes. But, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <coughs> but I always knew that I would just be, like, lying.
0: Yeah, but you were almost... Willing to accept a life of lying versus go through the difficulties of coming out Mm -hmm. as who you really are. Which really, though, we're all doing that. Mm -hmm. Like, we all do that on some level. It just maybe isn't as, like, you know, definable as, like, sexuality. But, like, everybody is, at least from what I've seen or at some point in time in their life has struggled with you know kind of the easy road of going along with like the norm this is what I'm supposed to do and I recognize maybe I'm not gonna be that happy but I'm (laughs) fine with that versus the difficult road of being who we are yeah
1: of what makes you legitimately happy yeah and so I think towards the end of high school um, again I hadn't talked to anybody about this I was like okay I'm gonna become gay when I go to college like that's it and so I kind of just like suffered through high school Mm mhm because as a Catholic school, we had religion classes yeah. that talked about homosexuality.
0: You know what's that, funny? I cannot remember a single thing from religion class. Like I don't know if I just wasn't paying <laughs> attention, but yeah,
1: like I remember, I remember the, the the lectures about about sexuality. I bet you, yeah, I bet you, about, yeah, I I like, bet you remember
0: those. The, yeah,
1: <laughs> God, there was a junior year of high school. We were in um, uh, that I forgot her name, but she was a nun, one of the, mm-hmm. the teachers, and we were all. Um, broken up into groups, and we had to do a project on a topic that was, like, controversial. And mm-hmm. she assigned the groups. And she's going through the groups, and she goes, like, this one's doing it on war. This one's doing it on, like, guns. This one's doing it on divorce. And she gets to my group. Uh-huh. And what topic did they give me? Uh-huh. Homosexuality. Yep, <laughs> yep. And then you hear the whole room snickering. Like, and So,
0: like, okay, so do, did people... Did people kind of guess or assume in high school that you were gay? Like, did you have to deal with almost not necessarily bullying, or maybe there was bullying, but like kind of that the rumor mill?
1: I was like harassed a lot in high school. Really, I was. I was. I kept it really quiet. I didn't talk to any anybody about it. But I mean, I had people spreading rumors about me. I had people shouting. A certain F word to me in the hallway. <gasps> and, like, I was... Part of me was just, like, so angry at them. But yeah. I was also so jealous of, like, straight guys at our school. Yeah. Because they could walk through the halls and not worry and not about get, their yeah, gestures. Not worry about how they sound when they speak. Like, it was, uh, like, this code switching that I was doing. Yeah. It still wasn't working. Yeah. Um, So that was, like, really hard because... Every day I went to school, I was worried that something was going to happen. Because, I mean, we weren't... Our, our classmates were not, like, the friendliest people towards it. Because of the time period. Right. Like, people change. Right. right. Um, it's like when I hear people talk fondly about high school, I'm like, ugh. Yeah. Like, I can't even think about those four years because of just, like, what people would talk about and say about me. And these are people that I'd never even spoken to. Right. So that you get this, like, idea about somebody and it's like you're a target. And,
0: and that that that's such an interesting point you make though about how it's like you're you're already suffering and going through all this work to try and be quote unquote normal mm-hmm. so that you don't get this negative attention yeah. and then you're getting it anyways. Yeah.
1: And I think again I was craving friendships at that time mm-hmm. and when you're like I wasn't, like, super effeminate, but, like, I was just, like, I was different from the rest of the guys. Mm-hmm. When you're like that and you're labeled, no, no guys want to become friends with you. Yeah. Because they don't want to be, like, oh, you're hanging out with the gay kid. Mm-hmm. And it's just, like, I wanted, like, I had some girlfriends, but it's mm-hmm. just, like, I wanted a guy friend to talk to. Yeah. Because, like, to have, like, connections. Yeah. I was, like, desperate for that, but that's why, like, that period... Even further, like, put me in my hole mm-hmm. and made it really difficult for me to connect with people. Mm-hmm. Which is why I kept looking at, like, college. as like, okay, that's going to fix all my problems. Yeah, yep. And that's why I try to get as far away from Jacksonville <laughs> as possible, <laughs> which got me to Boston.
0: So do you think, did your dad or your sisters, did they suspect, did anybody like try and reach out to you in a, in a meaningful, positive, like comforting way. And you still kind of were like, Nope, I'm not dealing with this yet. Or did, did no
1: one even do that? Nobody.
0: Oh gosh.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, it took, I I was really good at hiding Mm -hmm. myself. I think when, when kids are in the closet um, we become experts and just like, not revealing certain aspects of ourselves. Mm-hmm. Like we're, you're we so worried that people are going to find out that you do everything you can to like hide. Yeah. And we're really, I was really good at it. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I think there was like, what was I, I was talking to somebody who went to our high school and they're like, I don't think I heard you speak the entire four years. I'm like, yeah, I did that on purpose. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I didn't come out to my sister's until I was, like, 20. Okay. Which is when I came out.
0: Okay. I mean, I still... So went. that's, like, two years into college. Two years into college. So you get to college. What's the delay then?
1: I was like, I want to build genuine friendships. hmm And I want to come out when the time is right. hmm When I have a good, like, group of people.
0: Well, I'm sure you even probably needed... Some time to like mentally process it because you hadn't really been doing that because you've been just like fighting yes. it and trying to be like, nope, 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 there's nope, totally, for so long. Totally. You can't just like then start telling everybody when you haven't even. Yeah. At least that's how I operate. Like I have to process things myself mm-hmm. first before I'm ready to discuss them with somebody else. And it frustrates the hell out oh of my life. my god, my totally. If, totally. Yeah,
1: yeah. so I, I was like, okay, I'm in Boston and Boston's <coughs> a very different city from Jacksonville. It's, and I met gay people for the first time and I was like, well, what kind of gay person do I want to be? And it took me until the start of my junior year because I was running a, a community service program that was involved um, with, like, all like a, It was basically a week before school started, we sent all these freshmen to, to BU. I went to Boston University. And they're divided into these different issue areas, and they learned the whole week about a specific issue area. And I was assigned to Gender Focus, which is about... You know, um, body image, women's rights, and LGBT issues.
0: You're always assigned,
1: right? just coincidentally. But I to picked these. it.
0: Oh, okay. <laughs> I picked
1: it. Because I was like, I want to understand more about this. Mm-hmm. And I saw that week the freshmen come in, and they came in that first day of training and were immediately themselves. Like mm-hmm. the kids who came out for the first time because it mm-hmm. felt so comfortable. And I thought to myself, why didn't I do that? Mm -hmm. And I knew I didn't do it because I wasn't ready. Mm -hmm. But at that time, I now had a group of friends that were like family to me. It was time for me to actually be my authentic self. Mm -hmm. So that's when I came out. And, you know, when when you first start doing it, it's, like, amazing. And you're like, yes, I am. And everyone's I'm like, I'm free. We know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: They're like, finally, finally, we can talk right, about right, it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and
1: then when you do that, you then begin a whole other process. Mm-hmm. of just like, okay, how do I date? Mm-hmm. How do I? Had you
0: dated at all, even, like, secretly?
1: Mm-mm. Mm-hmm. I think I kissed a boy when I was, like, 12. But that was it. Yeah. So I did what like every, not every, but a lot of people mistakenly do is I immediately got into a relationship.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, that's what we all do because that fixes everything. Because I was like,
1: okay, well now I have a boyfriend and it's great. Yeah, and I don't
0: know how to be myself, so I'm just gonna latch onto someone so I'm else. So I latched yeah.
1: onto it, and oh geez, like ew, the first relationship was like stupid. Like we just we were 18, 19, like yeah. dumb we cheated on each other, it was just stupid, it was very, very toxic, and I was mm-hmm. like, this is not what I want. But, again, no one is teaching you how to be in a gay relationship. Mm-hmm. Like, you you think, okay, now that I can date, I'm supposed to be in something. Mm-hmm. And I think, think when, it took me a long time to figure this out, I kept adopting what, I, what my straight friends were doing as what I should be doing. Mm-hmm which
0: they had probably never even been taught how to be in a relationship mm-hmm. either. Cause I'm telling you like, right. There's a lot more movies and stuff out there. Yeah. I mean, I guess there is, re- there are resources, but, uh, you know, at that age, no one's, you're not to the point where you're, you know, reading dating books and there weren't dating okay. podcasts then. Like we were all just trying to figure it out and yeah. failing miserably. Right.
1: Right. But so many of your, my friends were straight and yeah. they were like, they're in relationships. I should be in one too. Mm-hmm. I think for a long time, I think this was, like, from 20 to, like, 30, I kept adopting what I think... I, I'm this age. I should be doing this. Yep. I'm th- I like this boy. I'm going to make him like me. Like, mm-hmm. I'm going to keep changing myself to fit what I think society wants. Oh, uh, yeah, do. yeah. Which is, I think, so many of us do that. Yes, yes, we do. And I'm almost, like, super grateful that I made those those mistakes. Mm-hmm. Because, like, it just led me into, like, okay, at the point at this point in my life, I know what I want, I know what I like, I know mm-hmm. what's good for me. And I've put all that crap aside.
0: It's true. It's it's you know, it's such like a cliche to say that, you know, you learn from your mistakes, but you really do. Mm-hmm. Like it's and I think that's almost by design, mm-hmm. because you know, if, if somebody were to tell you when you're younger, like, this is, trust me, like, this is what you're going to want, and this is what's going to make you yeah. happy, and this is what's going to be healthy for you, you're going to be like, uh, okay. <laughs> like, you have to learn it for yourself, and usually right. it's learning it the hard way.
1: Mm-hmm. I would say a turning point for me was going to our 10-year high school reunion. I missed that Did you, go, you didn't go to it? No, but you guys drunk dialed me. <laughs> oh, God. I remember going to it, so I was 28. Any, you know, you have ideas of what people are doing and what their yeah. lives are like. I remember being like, wow, some of these people have three to four kids mm-hmm. and they've had a wildly different twenties experience than I mm-hmm. have. And I was like living in Boston after living in New York city. I mean, I had like adventures under my belt. I had yeah. made these, done these crazy things. And I was like, I wouldn't trade any of that yeah. for anything,
0: it See, I, I, I would have had a different, <laughs> I, at that time, at that time I was in a relationship with a married man, mm. so I was not in a good space mm-hmm. and probably would have looked at everyone and been like, fuck, I did this wrong. Right. I have done this wrong. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause I had not gotten to a point of making peace with, uh, I was still, I was still learning the hard mm-hmm. lessons mm-hmm. for mm-hmm.
1: sure. Um, but at that time, like to like be the kid from high school that was like picked on mm-hmm. and. To come, I mean, to come in and, like, look the way I look.
0: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I'm a gorgeous gay man uh, (laughs) now. Who are you? (laughs) Like, who are you
1: here with? Who are you married to? I'm like, no, I was in school with you. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It was just a very validating experience. Uh, And that began, like, this, like, year of me kind of reflecting on... I had been really unhappy Mm -hmm. with, like, where I was as, like, like, a single guy... In, in the city of Boston, and my, my relationships with men, which I thought were really toxic. And I had discovered, through a lot of reflecting, that I, I wasn't being my authentic self. Mm-hmm. I kept putting myself in positions because I felt like I had to be. I yeah. had to be in a relationship.
0: So, I, how did you start to figure that out? Like, what did your reflecting look like?
1: I, a lot of it was, I was with these, these men. And I would get upset about something that happened. Mm-hmm. I would get angry about a text that wasn't answered in, in time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we all or do that. Or yeah. an awkward encounter. And then I would say, ugh, like, why can't X just like, treat me with respect? Why can't they just be a good person to me? And then I would say, but Graham, do you even like this person?
0: See, good for you that you asked that question. It took me way too long to ask that question.
1: (laughs) I was like, no, I don't like this person. Yeah. And it's just like, I was like, Graham, why are you wasting your time on these people who aren't right for you? They're not bad people. Right. They're just not your person. They're not right for you. And something like, I tell you, when I hit 30, it just clicked. Wow. I was like, I'm not wasting my time anymore. Like, Mm -hmm. this is... i got to start loving myself. Yes. And start being, like, my genuinely happy self. Because I haven't been happy for a long time.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. I think if you knew me, like, seven years ago, I would would have been a wildly different person. I was very moody. I was very frustrated with my actions and frustrated with my my relationships with people. Mm -hmm. And then I just came to this realization through that thinking process and through finding out what makes me happy. Mm-hmm. Like something clicked and I was just like, oh, I became like this very happy, jovial person.
0: So during those <coughs> years though, I mean, like you say, like you were like moody and stuff, but were you aware that you were unhappy or was it not until like kind of you reached 30 and then it was just like, oh man, I no, haven't been happy. That was it. Yeah. yeah.
1: I was like, oh my God, why did you put yourself through such like personal torment? Why did you punish yourself mm-hmm. over... This guy, I had a pretty toxic relationship um, for, like, a year and a half, and that, that ended, mm-hmm. and I carried that anger with me for two years mm-hmm. over that one person. And I'm just like, oh, my God. I wasted these two years just filling myself with this, like, anger about something that I couldn't control. Mm-hmm. The universe was gift, gift, like put me in this position to teach me a lesson.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, that's why I think that's one of the best purposes of relationships mm-hmm. is, I mean, they're going to bubble up all your shit that yeah. you haven't dealt with. Like yeah. they're going to trigger and it, it's going to mm-hmm. happen. And so it kind of shows you like what you have to work on.
1: Yeah. Cause I was such a bad communicator cause I would just like sit and see if, and be yeah. like, why can't you read my thoughts?
0: Yeah. <laughs> or like, you know, oh, yeah, we all do that. <laughs>
1: like, yeah. Or like, I wouldn't tell them like what was good for us or good right. for our relationship. So in my relationship now, like, I'm an over-communicator. Because from the lessons learned Mm -hmm. from all of that, like, I've had to, like, learn to be more of an open book. Not just relationships, like, romantic relationships,
0: but with people. Well, it's true, and I think, and I I had a recent conversation with somebody about this, and it's like, we, I think we're bad communicators because we're trying to avoid the uncomfortable conversation. Mm -hmm. Because the uncomfortable conversation is uncomfortable. But ultimately it's like ripping off a band-aid if you get through that it's better if if you avoid it it's
1: just like it just festers and things yes. just never work out and i hate because i know i do that still yeah like, i'll like a you know i'll have like a disagreement with a friend and i'll just be so upset about it for mm-hmm. like two months and then we finally meet up i'm like everything's fine like why do, like i wait like I talked about it with other people. What a waste. Like yeah. I made this out to be something that it wasn't. And I'm still learning that lesson. Oh yeah.
0: Yeah. <coughs> so. All right. So you get to this point where you're 30 and you're kind of, you have some major realizations mm-hmm. in terms of like relationships and communicating. But at that point, do you, had you kind of reflected back and dealt with your mom's death?
1: Yes. I think a, part of what, happened with that is that our family became really fractured Mm -hmm. and we all kind of became strangers to each other and years had gone by where we were not all happy with each other or just like we didn't know who each other was. Right. So around this time I was like, this is my family. Like I, we all live far apart from each other. I mean, they live in Jacksonville. I'm here Mm -hmm. at the time I was in Boston and I was like, this wouldn't make mom proud. Mm-hmm. This wouldn't make her happy that we were in this state after she's been gone for so long. Because mm-hmm. at this time, we had lived longer without her. Oh, I had lived longer without yeah. her than yeah. her. Yeah, yeah. So this began this like kind of lovely reconnection with all of the four of us together. Mm-hmm. A lot of it was... Stemmed from the fact that my sisters have had their daughters. Yep. 6 months away cancel, from each other. Kids
0: will bring bring families and together.
1: And I think that was like the impetus for us to like like we got to stop. Yeah. There's other there's there's babies. There's kids. And we still have our mom like she's like our mom is still being carried through. Yep. Yep. In, in yep. them. Um so it was kind of like this this long road of this devastating thing that happened when I was young. And this, unfortunately, long period of just, like, anger and yeah. confusion. And
0: well, it was like a people. split. You had just, like, split from yourself.
1: Yeah. And then, exactly. So, I think people think, like, oh, you'll, you'll, you'll be fine in a couple of years. Mm-hmm. But I was like, oh, my God, 17 years. 17 years for me to finally, like, us to finally feel like a family again. Yeah. And to feel like this unit where the, we, the four of us can be together and just, like, be so elated and laugh. Do we have our disagreements still? Absolutely. You know, do, is my do my father and I see eye to eye in a lot of things? No. <laughs> is he still kind of figuring out what to do with a gay son? Yes. <laughs> so, That's
0: a process for him as it's well. It's a process
1: yep. for him. Yep. Um, but it's this, it's nice that we're finally at this place. Right. Right, because so like, it's almost like a way of honoring her.
0: Yes. So, have you had conversations like this with your family members, where you kind of rehash what everybody went through and how everyone reacted, mm-hmm. or was it more of a no need to talk about this stuff? Let's just kind of all come together.
1: I think for a long time we never talked about her, and then we, we started talking about her again. Mm-hmm. Like, Dad, tell us about when you proposed to her. Oh. Tell us about like a funny thing she yeah. did. Because we want to keep those memories alive. Yeah. Um, we can't keep harking back to that one week where everything was devastating. Right. We want to think about the happy times. Um, think about her laugh. Think about, like, what would what would Mom think about in this situation? Because mm-hmm. I think um, you know, we, we obviously would never forget her, but I mean, she's a huge part of our lives, but we have to find some way of keeping that memory alive mm-hmm. and thinking about how we can keep those qualities both within ourselves and like my sister's kids
0: yeah yeah
1: so it's been really nice to just reconnect in that way yeah and we always like whenever I go home to Jacksonville we look at photos and just like like look at photos of like when my parents were dating and like she was like this beautiful like 70s bell bottoms like long gray hair like she was like it was just like cool to see different sides of her yeah we came across her old diaries and read through those and just to figure out what what a life she had um, before even my dad was in the picture, yeah, which is really, really nice to to keep that a memory. Alive yeah, with
0: that. yeah, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. So, if you were to kind of go back in time to kind of that that time period where after your mom passes away, and you know, there's all the people coming over, and then like the dust settles, and you go back to normal life, like, what would you say to that like child version of you to maybe make the rode ahead a little bit smoother, or would you not say anything to him because, you know, he had to go through what you went through?
1: I'm glad you said that, because I don't think I would have changed anything. Mm -hmm. I think I am in a really nice place in my life because of what's happened to me Mm -hmm. and because of the situations that I've put myself into. I think I put a lot of work into appreciating even the smallest things be it like um you know a, a beautiful day of the weather right or just yeah. like three minutes of a song that make me so elated like yeah. I'm trying really hard to just live in the moment and that-
0: well and I think that's also getting back in touch with feelings mm-hmm. at least that's that's what it's been for me so I think if you you know like if you don't deal with Kind of, you know, your mom dying at Mm -hmm. at that time, and then you don't deal with the fact that you're gay at the time. You start to just like repress feelings, and I think that bleeds out into other feelings. And then before you know it, you're not even really feeling, you know, those moments of pure like joy anymore. So to get back in touch with you've it's like you've got to get back in touch with all of it, the good and the bad. Yeah, such a good
1: point. Yeah, I was just like I was just like numb. Yes, for so long. Yeah, and then. I think, like, moving out here especially made me just become this just, like, incredibly optimistic, happy person. Which, to a degree, can, like, (laughs) annoy people. But, I mean, granted, I have my hard times. But Mm -hmm. I'm, like, better equipped to handle them Mm -hmm. now. Um, But, like, I keep thinking. I, I I think of two things in my life decisions. One, I think... You know, what would Graham at 80 think about this? Like, is Ooh. he going to reflect on this and be like, oh, my God, I can't believe you did that. Yeah. Or like, "What, well, you're crazy. Or yeah. That like, uh, 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 probably wasn't the best decision. So I think about 80-year-old Graham. Should I make it? My grandmother just a 100. So hopefully. Oh, uh, yeah. Make he it. He <laughs> yeah. Wow. And I also think, um, you know, mom, wherever she is, mm-hmm. what is, is what she, she? Is she think? proud of this moment? Yeah. And
0: oh, those, yeah, I like those two perspectives. Yeah. What would your 80 year old self think when they reflect back?
1: Yeah, because going back to Catholicism, I don't consider myself Catholic. I don't consider myself, okay. don't consider myself yeah. anything having to do with religion. I do consider myself a person of faith,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I'll give my reasoning. Okay. <clears throat> so, this is totally real. I'm not making this up. Okay. So,
0: yeah, there's no lying. On there's this no
1: podcast. lying on this podcast. <laughs> so, um, I, I believe. So I'll say this: the week that that week, mm-hmm. where everything was bad, and we were in the hospital room with my mother, she was like plugged in with tubes and mm-hmm. like breathing help. That night before she passed, I kid you not, I had a dream where I walk into her, her room, her hotel room, not her hotel, room, uh, hospital room. Mm-hmm. And she's sitting upright and she looks and for no other word to say, she looks absolutely angelic. Mm-hmm. And she turns to me and she says to me, I'm going to go. I have goosebumps. I'm not making this up. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go, but I'm going to be with you in some way. Like I'm going to be looking after you.
0: Oh my gosh. That is okay. That is amazing on its own. Yeah. But to add to that, Um, so somebody that we know Mm -hmm. that I won't say her name for her own privacy, Mm -hmm. but who also lost her mother, Mm -hmm. um, suddenly had a dream like the week before Mm -hmm. same thing. She walks into a hospital room and her mother was not in the hospital Mm -hmm. yet. She had like a brain tumor come on suddenly, but, um, and her mother was sitting there in the hospital bed and said, I'm going to die. Like same thing. Yeah. And Oh my
1: gosh. And like she, she 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 like and like my mother looked amazing in this yeah. like I'm not kidding, there was a shining bright behind her.
0: Yeah. About, like this
1: is not me. I'm not making this up. And, and, and like i am woken up from that dream mm-hmm. of my dad telling me that she passed.
0: <sighs> oh my gosh.
1: So when I think about my relationship with faith mm-hmm. and I think about what's beyond, like that doesn't like I could close my eyes and it could be black.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: but I'm never going to know because that's just the way it is. Right. Like it could be black. How am I going to know? But to have this thought that she's out there mm-hmm. and she's looking after me, like what a lovely thing.
0: Yes. We'll yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> that's fine. We'll edit this okay.
0: out. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> um, I love that. Okay. So then we'll just, we'll wrap up. What, what do you think? Like, what is your next, priority for like your relationship with you. Like what is the one thing you want to work on?
1: That's a really great question. Oh, that's a really good one, Casey.
0: <laughs> Did I stump you.
1: <laughs> I think it's to be more present with the people that I hold very close to me. Mm-hmm. I think it's to really be become more giving mm-hmm. to them and be able to bring that happiness that I've developed within myself to them Mm -hmm. and to ensure that I'm present for them and that I'm able to to give myself fully because I'm at that place where I can do that. Yeah. Yeah. That's an awesome answer. Thanks. Thank you, Graham. Thanks so much.
0: (laughs) Big thank you to Graham for sharing his story. I know it takes a lot of courage to do that and I very much appreciate it. Here are a couple of my favorite takeaways from our conversation. How our selflessness can be such a noble thing, like Graham's decision to hide the fact that he was gay to make it easier on his family, yet it can have some serious consequences. That decision meant he was trying to ignore and actively pushing away a part of his identity because he thought it would make things easier, but ultimately it separated him from himself and his family. How oftentimes we have to process and accept things internally before we are ready to share them with the people in our lives. That's a great thing to keep in mind for yourself as well as the people you are close to that you maybe sometimes wish would talk to you more about what's going on with them. How you truly never know what someone else is going through. Graham and I went to the same school for 12 years and I had no idea how much he was struggling and how much difference I could have made had I just reached out. How he found the awareness in his relationships to stop and consider if he even wanted to be in those relationships. Versus solely focusing on the other person and what they wanted or how they were feeling or acting. And lastly, I love how Graham believes, and I agree, that everything we go through in life serves a purpose. It's not always fun stuff. It can be heartbreaking and extremely difficult in the moment, but ultimately it helps us learn and grow. If you would like to share your favorite takeaways or get a message to Graham, you can email me at thebetteryoupodcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Thank you.